may take your seats. We're just going to welcome... Are you okay, Belinda? <laughs> wow. Belinda straight up into that atmosphere. Hello. Okay. <clears throat> yes. Now I don't know why I don't wear heels. <laughs> it's like the glory, and then like, you, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's why you take yours off. Okay. It's like I was just telling Rachel how freezing I was, and now I'm so so hot. Hang on a moment. Hi. Okay, I've got a message today. <laughs> so I'm not going to start with the announcements. I'm going to um, go straight into it. Um, now, I want to preface this by saying that I am going to pitch high. So when you're hearing me talking about the transfer of wealth and we're talking about billions, I need for your minds to then go, how does that apply in personal world and, you know, whether he's talking to you about thousands, whether he's talking to you about hundreds or whether he is talking to you about the millions coming through your hand or if he has actually given you a mandate to see the billions come through your hand into the things of the kingdom. I need for you, even though I'm pitching it, I know and recognise I'm pitching it at a place that is, you know, often going to be referring to the billions but I want for us to actually just believe in faith for that realm and then you can pull from that realm the knowing how I then apply that to like on a um, lesser level but still as important. So can we all do that? Okay, so I don't want it to be so far out that you're like, I can't relate, talking about the billions. Uh, so my message today is the transfer of wealth which I'm very, very excited about. Um, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was really just, um, you know, as you always do, um, you really do lean in for, like, what are you saying for this year? But I was particularly asking around finance because, um, you know, th that is a big thing for Daryl and I and, you know, some of what we've called into. Um, so I'm sitting by the pool and I'm asking him about wealth, about finance, but also if we're called as a house a company of people, to be a Joseph company, um, that just doesn't just happen. We don't just become a Joseph company. We don't suddenly just have the money um, to give to people. And so I was just asking him this question. I was like reflecting on that with the Lord. And then all of a sudden these two seeds blow across the pool and two seeds land right in front of me on the water. And I then started to just journal you know, I was sitting there with my journal, I was waiting for him to talk, and he talks. There's two seeds upon the water. Um, and so as I'm writing in my journal about the seed being on the water, the very word seed, a drop of water fell onto the word seed on my book and spread across the page. 
And I remember just being it was so profoundly struck by the message that he was saying to me, that he was talking about, you know, just like the ink dispersed across the page, that if you put my seed out across the waters and stack, you know, your provision, your bread across the waters, look what I can do with that if you trust it to me and lean in um, to see it multiply. And so, and part of that was also the letting go because to cast means to let, to let go. You have to let go of that seed, that provision, and actually trust that he has something you know, far more abundantly better um, rather than hanging on tightly to what you do currently have. And so he gives me this scripture. So this is back, you know, beginning of the year. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1 to 5. It's a bit of scripture again today, but most of my messages do... Um, cast your bread on the surface of the waters, for you will find it after many days. Divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. If the clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth, and whether a tree falls towards the south or toward the north, wherever the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will sow, will not sow, and he will not and he who looks at the clouds will not reap, just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of the pregnant woman. So you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. So again, it was just like him taking me into this scripture and saying, we have to put our seed, our provision into his care, into that living water and just watch what he does with that to multiply it, not just for your needs, but for the sake of the kingdom. Because, you know, a lot of the times we have this perception around finance is that I give him my 10%. This is a great principle to start with. Even if you start there, the principle of like, here's he's my first fruits, here's my 10%. God, this is my, the, my, my tithe, my offering that I give to you. But he, his desire is for us to move away from just that sowing and reaping principle of 10% to actually say, you know, not hanging tightly to the 90% and saying, well, this is mine, I own this part, um, and then this is your part, your 10%, whatever you want to do with it, Lord. What happens when our heart's posture is, it's all his. It's not the 10%, it's the 100%. Everything that you have, your resources, your finance, is what he has given to you. And when our mindset shifts towards the 10% to actually it's all his, it fundamentally, I believe, changes the way that we use our current money that we have. Um, Because you start then to go, God, where do you want me to sow money? Um, How do you want me to spend the money that I get? How, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, should I get this milk or that milk? I'm not, you know, like don't get stuck. Um, I'm talking about an overall principle of like where, where do you want me to pay my bills first? Where do I sow? Um, you know, where, when do you want me to save? How much do you want me to save? How much do you want me to store up? The principle of, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes um, <laughs> I was trying to say two things, divide your portion in seven or even to eight is that, the principle of Joseph, 
a Joseph company is like, okay, what do I do with that finance? Is he telling me to store up right now? And not because you're going to be in lack, but because then you remain in abundance and you're able to, out of the overflow, give unto others as well because you've listened to how and what to do with your 100% of the finance that he gave us. And so it's important to, you know, to, to really be leaning in for, okay, what is he saying about my money? Because it's his so that shift even fundamentally towards like it's all his shifts everything, I believe. And then you also position your heart to know what's your increase. How do you want to increase? I mean, for goodness sake, he can multiply bread if he needs to. So, that, you know, this is the reality of who we're leaning into. He can multiply what's in your account. That's not always the way that he's going to do it because he wants us to be able to steward well. Um, but I believe a big part of increase comes from the enlargement of our hearts, that we have to move beyond just our own needs. Because why it's always just about our own needs, that's all you can really get met. Because that's all you have faith for. That's all your heart is open up to for him to be able to release in and through. So the increase has to be because our hearts go, that the enlargement of my heart means that what else does he have to get through my hands financially for the sake of others in the kingdom? Which is exactly what Joseph was all about. You know, many, even before Daryl and I got together, like we, I had so many prophetic words about it being a financer of the kingdom. Probably not as many as Daryl. Um, but I had, had those words over my life. And then when Daryl and I got together, it, like prophets you know, another prophecy here and another prophecy there about the finance, the millions coming through our hands. And I remember just thinking, that's not just an anointing. Part of it is, yes, it's mandate. I I get that. But the other part of it is we have such a capacity to say, like, how do we finance this kingdom? We want to bless, you know, we want to be blessed to be a blessing. We don't want to be greedy with our money. Like, you know, these are principles that actually allows for the finance to flow through our hands. And I, and I make the emphasis on through because that, that is what the Lord is looking for. People that are like through, I, you know, just use me as a that landing place for that money to keep coming through my hands, that I can be trustworthy um, for him to do that. And it's the same principle of like just, um, you know, the through your hands is the through upon the waters. God, you, that provision, that bread, may it be so, so firmly um, open-handed, may I be so open-handed with that bread that I'm ready to cast it upon the waters because we, we know, we trust that it's going to be multiplied. It's going to, you know, do something um, far beyond what you can see in the natural. And part of that is having an understanding of who we are who we are in him, that sons, you know, when we have an understanding that I'm a son of God, we have an understanding then that that all inheritance is available to us. That my dad in heaven has everything needed, not just for my needs, but for the building of the kingdom. And that as a son of God, that we would have an understanding that he's asked us not just to steward your own personal life, but there's so much throughout the word of 
steward the wealth of the nations. I mean, this is why I'm saying we're pitching it here because this, this is the call. This is what he's asking from us. So if our hearts don't... I'll, I'll read this one out because I wanted to make it a point of it. Um, if our hearts don't enlarge and start believing on him for the transfer of wealth for the sake of the kingdom, then he will physically have no landing place for that wealth. He can't land wealth if the people's hearts aren't positioned to believe that that's what he wants to do in and through us. He's constantly looking for a people to be able to release the wealth to. Because you know what? If it's not us, if it's not the believers, I tell you right now, that evil agenda will absolutely be happy to say, let's do this great reset and let's you know, pull this finance into the kingdom of darkness. Um, they don't they don't mind and they understand the principles if we're not going to put our hand up to be a landing place they are going to come with their evil agendas and say i'm happy you know these greedy capitalists and all the rest of it who actually have nothing in mind of the kingdom but everything in mind of self gain so we have to have our hands up we have to have our hearts enlarged to actually see that, you know, th- this is our responsibility. We have to be able to say, not on my watch. I'm stepping in and I'm saying, not on my watch is the enemy going to raid from this state, particularly, that's where I feel like I've got most metron, n- not going to raid from this state anymore because I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to steward those finances that God intended us to have. Um, So he's looking for the big-hearted ones. He's looking for us to have these big-hearted, faith-filled hearts that go, okay, I understand that nothing's impossible with him, whatever that's going to look like. And we don't want to be the small-hearted ones. You know, when we go back to that scripture, it says, um, he who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at the clouds will not reap. That's small-hearted. That's fear fearful. This is, you know, looking for the conditions to actually dictate whether you're going to sow. No, we cast our um, seed onto the water because we simply trust him. No matter the circumstance, no matter that like, oh gosh, I don't have quite as much money this week. I think I might pull back on some of my tithe as an example. Like, you know, you can insert anything in that, in that example. But it's like we have to have um, those, our hearts enlarged because God wants for us to have an understanding that as much as we're hearing about this great reset, I feel like he said to me, can you start to believe for a, a, a divine great reset? What would it look like to actually pull the finance back out of the kingdom of darkness, you know, into this state so that we see it prosper and to believe him? And enough people, a company of people believing that, like we can change things like you wouldn't believe. And so um, Proverbs 13 verse 22 A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. I love this verse, stored up for the righteous. So it's an invitation to pull back the wealth out of the, into the hands of the children of God. This is invitation, stored up for us, wealth from the wicked. 
And you know what? It's not just wealth from the wicked that are currently still wicked and not in the kingdom of God, but it's actually like raiding the enemy's camp by pulling those that don't yet know him into the kingdom of light so that all their millions of dollars suddenly, suddenly is now in the kingdom of light because they want to see suddenly their finances. I mean, Daryl's had contact with someone, I can't share any of the specifics, um, but to do with gambling, like this, you know, millionaire related to gambling. Um, if he gets saved, what does that look like for the kingdom? So it's not just about the, the you know, it's stored up for the righteous, it's actually in the sense that, you know, everyone else is evil and we just need to pull the evil money back. It's like, no, 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 what does it look like to raid the enemy's territory and go, we're taking this one for the kingdom because when he's in the kingdom or she's in the kingdom, you watch what they do with their finances of then just stewarding that so well that, you know, like who knows what could happen. So we're praying and we're believing for both. We're believing for the evil agendas and all the rest of it, for that to be accredited to us, but we're also believing for the hearts and souls. Um, and there's so much precedent in the Bible about how God can release the provision and, you know, the number of things. I mean, I had so many testimonies that I had to, like, drill down which ones. Um, but a precedent is God leads out the Israelites um, out of Egypt, um, they, they're slaves. They're slaves led out of Egypt. And what does God do? He provides for them great wealth. He sends out all the goods, all the best and finest china, all the best this. Um, so it's stored up for the children of God. So all these years of centuries of slavery, and yet they still get sent out with God's backing and provision. These are my kids. Here is everything they need to go into the next season. And so we can't look and have excuse about circumstance around us because if we operate in a place of, I'm a child of God and his provision is for me, then if he can put that wealth into the hands of Egyptian slaves, then he can put what he needs into our hands for the further furthering of his kingdom. Now, the other thing in regards to this, which I haven't been able to shake, and I know a few people have seen, you know, seen similar things um, lately, um, was about the ships. So I, you know, the, I keep encountering the ships. Um, I think Christina's encountered the ships. Maddie's seen the ships. Um, but there's been multiple people uh, encountering their ships. But for me, the ships have been about the giving up the goods. It's like this season of like, I just keep seeing these ships and then confirmation of the ships. Um, so when I went to the Hebrides um, and met with Marion, which, you know, you guys have heard some of the testimony of that, um, she kept talking about and decreeing the ships are coming, um, they've got to give up their wares, they've got to give up their goods. I can't remember the exact wording she used, but along, you know, what I'm about to go into. Um, and so anyway, as she says that, she's talking about how she's always decreeing for these ships to come and give up, you know, their treasures. Um, and I just go into this flash vision where the, it was a whirlpool 
So between Hebrides and the mainland, um, there's this whirlpool that's caught the waters. So the waters are like spinning, spinning, spinning. And the ships are then caught in a whirlpool. So they keep going round and round in circles. And so um, I said to Mary, and this is what I'm saying, let's just decree that the waters, the dark waters, have to actually give up those ships back onto the shore. And so anyway, so we prayed into that um, you know, for the enemy to release, you know, what was rightfully for the shores of the Hebrides. Um, so it was Hebrides, like, specifically in this instance. Um, but when I went away from that, God started really speaking to me that it's not just about releasing, you know, the ships um, to sail on the waters, but he was also talking to me about you need a safe harbour, a safe place for those ships to land. Um, so all the waters can give up, um, you know, for them to head towards land. But if there's no safe harbour, then those ships actually can't dock. So there's no um, ability, like I know, I know this is a given, but it's like just think of it in very practical terms, is that if there's no dock to, un- to, you know, to dock into, you can't unload treasure, you can't get treasure onto the ground that needs the, whatever the resource it is um, to then, you know, further, to better the people that are actually on that land. And so God starts speaking to me about it's not just, you know, praying for the release of them. We have to create, and this is where we, this is our part, this is our stewarding aspects more so, is finding that we become that safe harbour. We have to be the landing place because, like I said before, um, that otherwise God doesn't have a place to land that finance, does not have a place to land um, the resources or, you know, whatever it is that he wants to put into our hands if we don't become the place to be able to receive that. So we have to, in our hearts, have an understanding of what my part is in not just praying, God, give up the ships. If you're not willing and ready to receive in your heart, you being the dock, ready to receive those ships, are you ready to receive the saved, the harvest field? Are we ready to receive those resources for the things that he wants to do in the kingdom? Do we believe him? So he's looking for us to do the preparations now to be that dock, to be that safe harbour. And so, um, so when, you know, I was encountering these ships in particular, he was speaking specifically to me about the ships of Tarshish. Um, say that quickly. Um, and so even just as I started to prep this, I, you know, a couple of notes here and there over the last couple of weeks, um, Nate jo- Johnson comes out with, you know, which, go and have a look because it's actually, you know, very similar word to, and I was like, wow, (laughs) but confirmation. So Nate Johnson comes out with this prophetic word about the ships of Tarshish. So this is the season we're in. God is screaming at us. And I believe Charlie Shamp gave a word about provision as well. There's been multiple in these last few weeks of just like God saying, get ready. But we have to have the safe harbour. So in Isaiah 60, verse 4 to 9, 
Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar and your daughters will be carried in the arms. Then you will see and be radiant and your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. A multitude of camels will cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba will come. They will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar will be gathered together to you. The rams of Nebioth will minister to you. They will go up with acceptance on my altar. And I shall glorify my glorious house. Who are those who fly like a cloud? Like a what? <laughs> and like the doves to the lattices. Surely the coastlands will wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them, for the name of the Lord your God, and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has glorified you. This is what's coming, guys. This, this is absolutely his promise to us, um, and we're starting to see it prophetically. Like, you know, when I start to see, like, multiple things and people seeing similar things, it's like he, he's like, there's a pulse on that. That's, like, this is what he's saying. Um, the wealth is coming. The wealth, which is finance, resource, solutions, and abundance of souls. And while we're seeing others out there faltering, you know, like you, you might th- see out there across the world and just be in despair. I believe that there's, there's an opportunity for us in this house to actually have the abundance. The abundance, the overflow to actually be the solution. So where do we first, you know, me always go back to first, first mention of Tarshish is Solomon. So 1 Kings 10, 22 to 24. For the king had at sea the ships of Tarshish with the ships of Hiram. One every three years, the ships of Tarshish came bringing gold and silver, ivory and apes, and apes, you know, must have been a good resource, and peacocks. <laughs> and that was splendor. That's like the, the peacocks in particular was more splendor. Like, you know, so th- this is God. This is the abundance of God. Like, it wasn't like, oh, peacocks because they were, you know, great meat. <laughs> um, that was, um, okay, moving on. Um, so King Solomon became greater than all the kings in the earth in riches and in wisdom. All the earth was seeking the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. And so when the Queen of Sheba goes to obviously visit him, she says, 1 Kings 9, 7, you exceed in wisdom and prosperity the reports which I heard. So over and above what she'd imagined. 1 Kings 9, 9, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. So while Solomon's heart is um, turned towards the Lord, God's granting him incredible wisdom to govern for the sake of justice and righteousness within the land. Um, for the sake of the people. I mean, the people were what was on the other end of that. And so what does God do? He grants him the wisdom, wisdom, but he grants him the resource and the abundance. I'm talking wealth like you've never seen before. Prosperity like, you know, that the Queen of Sheba was just like over awestruck with, you know, how everything was, was presented this is the level of you know, finance and resource that is available to those that act righteously, act 
justice, with justice, those that actually lean into his wisdom and are about the people on the other end. So when we talk about the ships of Tarshish, um, when I looked it up, obviously it, it, it was a place in the Mediterranean, but there, there's so much literature that talks that it became more not about Tarshish as a place, place but it became about Tarshish being um, a representative representative, um, to represent uh, significant ships, ships that would be so large and travel such great distance and that they would bring the best um, merchandise and wares um, to, you know, to, for incredible trade. So the ships of Tarshish were specifically um, known throughout the land that they represented great trade. So the ships in this day and age, us now, we don't have, you know, specifically ships of Tarshish, but it's a, it represents something in the spirit of the vessel. Like in the spirit, God using the ships of Tarshish like, to, to bring to us, use it as a vessel to bring uh, the wares, the merchandise, the resource that of, the, 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 of heaven into earth and what we need. So that's a type. And just like Solomon, like the invitation is for us to govern well. Our invitation is like, you know, to rule and reign with righteousness and justice. And the other part that God then took me into was that these ships were historically um, on particular trading routes. And so when I started to delve into the trading routes, Roots. It gave me some clues about some promises and how, you know, the how-tos. And so if we go to, um, and this is particular about uh, Tyre, fall of Tyre. Isaiah 23.1, because I just want to show you this, this trading route because I believe it's a key. Um, so Isaiah 23.1, Whale, O ships of Tarshish, for for Tyre is destroyed without house or harbour. So you can see that you know, they, this port and this shipping, trading, they're linked. I mean, yeah. And then 23, 8, I won't do 9, just 8. Um, I, sorry, Isaiah 23, 8. Who has planned this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns, whose merchants were princes, whose traders were the honoured of the earth? So this, this is a city, a port that is like known for, um, known through and honoured throughout the earth at this stage. Ezekiel 27, 25. The ships of Tarshish were the carriers for your merchandise in regards to Tyre again, and you, you were filled and were very glorious in the heart of the seas. And then down to verse 33. When your wares went out from the seas, you satisfied many peoples. With the abundance of your wealth and your merchandise, you enriched the kings of the earth. So this was a city, this was the port that actually enriched the lives of the people, that you know, they were honoured on earth. So this was a city that, like, was at this point trading, um, trading with the hearts of the people, trading um, for everyone's gain. So at this point, it's not corrupted. And then we move to Ezekiel twenty-eight, verse three to seven. 
There is no secret that is a match for you. So this now is God speaking to the king of Tyre. By your wisdom and understanding, you have acquired riches for yourself and you have acquired gold and silver for your treasuries. By your great wisdom, by your trade, you have increased your riches and your heart is lifted up because of your riches. Therefore, thus says the Lord, because you have made your heart like the heart of God, therefore, behold, I will bring strangers upon you. So Tyre, the word means rock. And so, you know, and I just, I thought, you know, it was very fitting that, that Tyre was named the rock because it wasn't now building upon the rock. It was building as a self-made rock for people to land and trade with. Um, and Tyre literally grew in wealth and in stature. Um, it was the docking place. This is the, the safe harbour that people had come into only to find now that the waters were muddied. Um, and so Tyre is now being, but, you know, God is speaking to the king and basically, you know, in all of these verses, I didn't read all of them, but 28, 1 to 10, God is rebuking him, rebuking himself, him for being like God, that set yourself up like God. And then you go into the next um, from, so that's 1 to 10, and then 12 to 19 is then it turns and God actually then now speaks to Satan himself as Tyre. This is how, like, you know, you read through the whole of Ezekiel 28 and this is where God specifically speaks directly to Satan, casts him down. Because now you can't tell the difference. This is how much that the king of Tyre had traded with Satan, that you can't, can't really swap them out. Because he then jumps into the next verses and then he goes in and says to him, by the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. And then verse 18, by the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade, you refrained your sanctuaries. <clears throat> so he rebukes Satan because he, he's, you know, he's calling out that there is no righteous trade in you. Satan is known for his unrighteous business and he is constantly looking for anyone to partner with. He found the king's heart and knew that I can trade here. This is a king that is going to allow for me, let's do business. So much so that you, know, you can't, you know, why does he suddenly flick from being, speaking to the king of Tyre to then Satan of Tyre? Like, it's like, you know, it's all one and the same. You've now traded your soul so heavily into Satan's trading floor that you're one and the same. But what did it cost the city, this port, this safe harbour, the one that was enriching the lives of the people? It costs them wealth. It costs them influence. It costs them, costs them prosperity with the people. Tyre's mantle was removed. And you know what? This is a warning for Australia because I absolutely believe that it's 
the trading floors that we are on is costing our nation. We are trading with Satan. We are trading with Tyre, which is a type. So while our, you know, our, our nation is literally being raped and pillaged, it's a spirit. The, you know, the ships in the spirit and in the natural are literally going um, into our storehouse, our wealth and the abundance um, and being given over to hands that have put themselves as their own gods and that have nothing in mind that is kingdom and nothing in mind for the betterment of people. We are absolutely, as a nation, like one of the most resource-rich. We are highly innovative. We have expertise. We have skill sets. We have capacity. We have all of these things to be one of the most absolutely flourishing nations in all across the world. I absolutely believe that. And I do believe that we were postured there. I mean, we, we had abundance when other nations were, were faltering because of these principles of not trading away who we were, that the trading floor was cleaner than it currently is. You know, that we are called as a nation to be the lender, not the borrower. We're called to be the head and not the tail. This is a, an absolute. We know this to be a true. But yet we traded away to a globalist agenda and gave... You know, here's the trading floor. With nothing in mind of the people, um, you know, flourishing. So we find ourselves, you know, in this, you know, in this era, we find ourselves where there's, you know, it's quite prevalent to see Tyre as a type in a lot of the states and nations across the world right now. Because their, their whole evil agenda is to trade unto themselves. It has nothing of outcome of kingdom or for, um, for people to you know, be able to flourish. And there's certainly no shepherds in the mix of that. But there's great, great hope. So I don't leave you there with, you know, <laughs> um, just going, okay, you know, we've traded away um, our wares and, you know, that's the end of that. Because when it, we go into Isaiah 23, verse 17 to 18, it will come about at the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre. Then she will go back to her harlot's wages and will play the harlot with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. Feels very much like playing the harlot right now. Her gain and her harlot's wage will be set apart to the Lord. It will not be stored up or hoarded, but her gain will become sufficient food and choice attire for those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. Uh, That right there. Her gain will become sufficient food and choice attire for those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't matter how much tire, you know, continues to trade and her harlot ways. If we as the people of God dwell in his presence and have an understanding of what's rightfully ours, the Lord said it will become food and choice attire for those who dwell in the presence of the Lord. And then I'll repeat these ver- this verse from earlier, um, 60 verse 5. 
Um, then you will see and be radiant and your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. And then drop down to verse 9. Surely the coastlands will wait for me and the ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar, their silver and their gold with them for the name of the Lord our God and for the Holy One of Israel because he has glorified you. So the ships of Tarshish, are, you know, we, we're going to be given the abundance of the sea, but well, the ships of Tarshish are, are going to bring those first fruits, those saved, those, you know, hearts that God's going to pull in. And also coupled with that, the provision, you know, that, that the merchandise and the wealth for his kingdom purposes for all those that dwell in the presence. What's our requirement? What's the thing that we have to dwell in his presence? In his presence, we then know how to activate this stuff. Because it's time. It's time right now to actually say we're calling in those ships. And I want to be, you want to be, that safe dock. I want to be that safe harbour where that, those finances can find their way in and through my hands because I believe it, and because I'm a safe place for him to go, I, can, I trust you to not operate in greed, to not build unto yourself, and to actually go, okay, where? Where do they need to go? And you know what? Just tire. And this verse, Satan has to give up his merchandise. Has to. Scriptural. So we, we have to keep putting a demand, demand on it. No, no, no. You, you don't get to take and trade away if I have an understanding of what I can trade back. I'm, go, I'm raiding the enemy's camp and he is going to know about it. I mean, God is so good that he, when it comes to provision, I was thinking of the story of the three wise men. Being, you know, some of the first fruits. When you're talking about like the, the sons, when it's talking here about the sons from, uh, bring your sons from afar, the, the, you can't get any further than three wise men coming to worship Jesus. But what do they bring? They bring, you know, sometimes, you know, we just go back to the Christmas story when you're watching, you know, the little kids coming with their gold, you know, <laughs> um, frankincense and myrrh, um, but not really comprehend what were the gifts that were given. They weren't token gifts because it's like, oh, I don't know what to bring you, so I just put you a bit of gold. So like, um, hope you like it. Um, this, this, this was provision. I mean, myrrh was for, um, you know, I was going to say embalming. That's not a good one to use it as an example. <laughs> but the anointing oils of frankincense and myrrh and healing and all the rest of it, forget about the embalming. Um, but the wealth that was in just those, let alone the gold. So this is what God can do. God is able, if he's like, if I need to get that finance out of here and bring it to the you know, other side of the world to a place of worship. Because what were they bringing into? Not just to, to a baby just to go bless. It was like I am sowing into the kingdom. And every purpose that Jesus had meant that he's born into this lowly family, 
not rich, not ruling, um, you know, this, these humble beginnings. But what does God say? Here's the backing of heaven with every finance you're going to need. And I don't know whether that last, how long that lasted him, but I would say a good part of Jesus's life was funded from those three gifts. This is how he can put finance, if we position our hearts to dwell, to worship, to have an understanding of his kingdom purposes and what he wants to do and achieve through us and through those that, you know, that we have um, metron with, it's like he's, he's looking for the safe harbours. He's looking for where can I get this finance? Whose hand? Okay, three wise men. Excellent. It's a shame that I have to send you all the way from here to get to here. Were they the only ones looking? I don't know. But he, you know, it made a statement of like the distance travelled to bring the gifts and to worship the king. So we can't talk about circumstance and that be our limitation because it's not his limitation. Because you can look and just go, well, I can't provide any finance for the kingdom because currently this. No, 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 that's the, the wind and the clouds, it's now going, how do I lean in to find solutions? All right, just doing my maths. We're good. Um, So again, just keep positioning our hearts for that safe, to be that safe harbour for that finance to land. And you know, um, about two weeks ago, Daryl was like... I wasn't home, it was one night um, when I was here and Dal was just sitting with the kids and just like put on the worship and said, let's just like really um, create an environment, we're just going to listen to God and whatever he wants to tell you. Um, and then Arise like goes into this encounter and Daryl goes, what are you seeing? And she's like, I just, God just put me on a cloud and like I'm heading in the cloud and, and it's just taking me into heaven. Daryl's like, what's there? She's like, Money, Daddy, lots and lots and lots of money. Now, if Daryl if had asked Asher and Asher had said that, I'd be like, he's watched too many Mr. Beast. Like, um, but this is Uriah. She's, she's a different, different child. Um, but anyway, so the, the next day she was then drawing it and I was asking her about it. And I said, like, how much money? Like, can you, do, do, can you draw it out? Like, what were you seeing? And she goes, oh, I don't know what it is, Mum, but she just, like, drew nine zeros. And she, so it was the billions. So the Lord was challenging my, because I'd always, like, talked about the millions and, you know, coming through your hands and all the rest of it. But it was like God saying, even just that, that slightly higher understanding of that heavenly realm and even then he said and there's more but whether my heart had the capacity to understand more than billions he was speaking to me something of like what does it look like to have an understanding that in my heavenly realm there's untold wealth and fortunes and everything that's required that you know a child can go and encounter heaven and know there's so much money, Daddy. Because um, he wants to back us. He wants to put in that finance. 
So we're looking at this great reset that they're talking about, but God's saying, I want to do my own grand, divine reset. But our hearts have to be aligned with that. And, you know, sometimes, like, even just to give a couple of examples of, like, just to get us thinking outside of the box, like, creativity, you know, in regards to creativity is, like, what would it look like to actually believe and start to pray for Big Pharma to be held responsible? Financially. I'm talking, yes, held responsible, but, like, that we pull back and go, no, 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 you actually now need to pay up every claim, every, you know, pay it back into the health system and not just into the health system to fix the health system but to also, God, sow that money in so that people have an understanding of how to build holistically their health, what it would look like to actually, um, you know, to have our immune systems fighting fit and God, you know, bringing these solutions. Because sometimes we think about, like, it has to just be dollars. You know, the dollar's coming. But no, like, we've got to see that some of these solutions financially and resources are going to be tied to other solutions. What does it look like for the zero, you know, the net zero narrative to collapse? Where God comes and collapses this all of a sudden um, and you know, nuclear energy and other clean energies being invented so that South Australia becomes, you know, the energy provider and sourcer for the rest of the states. What happens then? Prices drop for us in this state and we become a revenue generating because we have now solutions for people's problems around the rest of the states. So this is, like, I could rattle off a billion other ideas of, like, just... It doesn't take much for God to go, I can get a hold of some of these things. And these billions of dollars that we're talking about suddenly are coming in and through this state. Apply that to your own personal life too, but I'm trying to paint a picture of what does it look like for South Australia to be the forerunner, the prototype that we know that she's called to be. Because we know that she's called to be the, the food bowl. What does that look like? God's going to give us strategies, probably not me, but strategies for farming and produce and the most, you know, bumper crops that last longer, more nutrients, more, you know, that it actually then starts to feed the other states. These are the solutions that God wants to deposit, like within, you know, um, on a big picture, but now bring it to the, what is he personally asking you for in regards to strategies and being a landing place for those solutions, but also the finance, whatever that's going to look like. Because he needs for those dollars. For every dollar that you um, position your heart to go, okay, I'm, I'm taking that out of tyre. It's like, thanks for that pulling it back from Satan and that trading floor, that's one less dollar. Even if you just see it as, it's just one dollar. It's one less dollar that the enemy has to trade and build his kingdom and his purposes, which build nothing of kingdom and nothing of um, the hearts of the people. Keep thinking, I am going to pull back, pull back, pull back. Don't let up on that. 
Because I absolutely believe, like personally we can all flourish, but I absolutely believe we've got Metron. I think it will increase to the nation, but I know that I know that we've got Metron for this state. So the more that we all start to believe together for the, the billions, it's got to be billions, billions of dollars that God wants to bring into this state, however he wants to generate it. The solutions are out there, they're in him, that we want to be that, you know, Joseph company. And what our hearts have to do is position it for, like Solomon did, we want to rule and reign in, with righteousness and justice. We want to lean and attune our ear to the Father and get his wisdom and his counsel for how he wants things to happen. But when we do that, the release of the prosperity comes. But first and foremost, our hearts have to be prosperous. You can't land prosperity if your heart is in poverty. So the business of doing, um, you know, having an understanding of whose you are, what he's speaking over you, your identity, knowing that you're loved, know that you belong, know that you have all authority, know that you're a son, know that you have the inheritance um, and that heavenly store that, that Uriah tapped into is yours. But that comes from that prosperity of heart. So first start with the prosperity in heart and then ask the Lord, God, where do you want to land? If, if I'm this safe harbour, what do you want to land in and through me? And I want to be faithful to make sure that I do do what it is that he's speaking to me to do. So I'm going to end there only because I think it's been nearly an hour. So if you want to take um, up your communion. Good job, James. <coughs> you want to put some pads on? I'll do the offering after the communion. So just um, just get you to take communion and as you do that, I'll just give you a minute to do that. But as you do that, just asking the Father, <clears throat> or just receiving from the Father more so, just that prosperity of heart because He's given you it all. So when you take communion, just remember that all authority is given to you because of what is done for you.
And that as you take communion, just say, I am not going to waste a moment of what you have for me. And I'm not going to waste any of the finance or the opportunities that you've given me. Take it when you feel. Father, I just thank you. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you that everything was given to us on that cross and in his resurrection. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Father, thank you that you have given us the capacity to hold wealth, to steward the resources of heaven that you require each one of us, that each person in this room has been given a different metron of influence, different strategies, different um, solutions that you've placed only in their heart to be able to do. And so I just pray, Father, would you start to breathe on those things? God, what merchandise, what trades do um, each of these hearts here have? And I thank you, God, that you would just create in each one of us the ability to be that safe harbour, the ability to be able to steward anything that you ask of us, that it would be in and through our hands, that it would be so... um, just this capacity, God, to know that all is yours and that we would cast that bread upon upon the waters and allow you to take it wherever you need to take it. We just thank you, Father, for this state to prosper. God, that you've called us to be that Joseph company and God, you would give us the strategies to know how to prosper in times of lack and prosper in times of prosperity, Thank you, God, for every strategy under heaven be given to us as a company of believers.